Hello and welcome to the Infinite Potential Podcast. I'm your host, Beth Willis. In my role as a coach, I aim to inspire people to believe that the sky is the limit. In this podcast, I will provide information on mindset, fitness and nutrition with amazing guests as we look to unlock your own infinite potential. and welcome along to another episode of the Infinite Potential podcast. We are back from our break and I am kickstarting episode 30 with two absolutely amazing guests and this is a podcast that is filled to the brim with some really, really, really important takeaways and lots of golden nuggets. All I will say towards the end Obviously, we're recording on Zoom from three different locations. My internet had a little bit of a wobble, so bear with us a little bit um, through the last kind of... There's about a minute and a half spell, about uh, kind of 55 minutes, where it gets a little choppy. The whole thing crashed and we restarted, but we soon get back into our flow. So uh, just a little pre-warning on that and enjoy the show. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Infinite Potential podcast. I am super excited today to bring you episode 30 after our short break with two amazing guests, John and Leon, and they are the Lean Machines. So I'm not going to butcher any kind of introduction. I'm going to say, right chaps, you're in an elevator. Tell me all about you if I've never met you or never seen any of your socials before. I don't think you'd get what you expect from us. Like, we're <laughs> typically British. We're not very good at saying, uh, uh, at selling ourselves. But I guess if you had to sell what Leon and I are, um, we are online coaches at the currently, personal trainers, authors. Uh, what else have we done, Leon? Help me out here. My models. Um, <laughs> aesthetic, aesthetic and performance gods, just gurus in our field. Just, uh, just everything and covered it into one beautiful little package of the lean machines. Dads as well now. Dads as well. So we can't we can't forget the two little girls that are running around in your life now as yeah, well. Yeah, dads as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. That list seems to be getting longer. <laughs> it's getting pretty long. So yeah. Um, but yeah, predominantly just uh, I would classify ourselves as personal trainers and sports nutritionists who have got a lot of knowledge, but we like to kind of see ourselves as the big brothers of the industry, basically taking the subjects, breaking it down and really getting to the crux of the matter to make it very simple for as many people as we possibly can. And yeah, we're just there to yeah. cut through the crap. That's the, thing, I think that's the thing as well. It's like a lot of people say that they're there to cut through the crap and I'm sure they are. But I think once you've been doing it for 10 years and they, and you've been around and you and you haven't sold your soul, um, I think you become more credible for the fact mm-hmm. that people still find you valuable 10 years later or whatever it is. Because uh, we, we have been doing social media for some time now, it's fair to say. I think, yeah. well, is it fair to say you were kind of one of the early fitness adopters of YouTube and really kind of launched having in the your UK, own channels we were, and things yeah, we, like we, that? We were the biggest fitness uh, thing in the UK for a long time until other people pulled their fingers out <laughs> <laughs> and just skyrocketed off. And we're like, see you then, guys. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, we were certainly, uh, well, I think we were the first in the UK, weren't we, Leon, as far as I'm aware? Yeah, I remember for a, a very long time, you know, it's, it's it seems like such a strange subject to talk about now specifically because we have been around for so long that when I say you know this is before the days of YouTube and mm. you know I like being a big thing and a staple thing when you said the words YouTube 10 years ago people were like mm. explain yeah you know, it's it's like, what, 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 yeah so what does that mean and I remember even you know we'd started YouTube and John's sister was sat in a pub with me teaching me how to use Twitter and creating <laughs> me a Twitter account and I was like my whole world was just exploding at this mm. time. So that's like, this whole digital age has just exploded over the last, I would probably say six years, you know, because even mm. in those first three or four years, there was the exploratory phase where, especially the fitness industry didn't necessarily know where they fit. But for us, it was just a case of, we're just going to create content mm. just as we would as personal trainers. And then for some reason, it just seemed to stick. And then as people started to navigate editing, and social media editing tools and that kind of stuff came out and it made 
it made it a lot more of an accessible thing for people to get into because you know like i say when we were there we first started to use and edit videos we were watching a youtube video on how to edit a youtube video so we could edit and then it was watching a youtube video on how to upload a youtube video you know so whereas now you can kind of just plug it all in or you can get external bodies to do it so it's, it's crazy how much has changed but yeah we were there with the uh with the old chisel and hammer on the old stone, as they say, back in the day. And that, I mean, that's, for me, I, I've, I've followed your guys' content for years, so I'm, I'm super stoked to have you on, you on the bastard. Infinite Potential podcast. <laughs> and, and I've kind of, obviously, seen the transitions from, my, from a point of view as somebody that watched your content from kind of more bodybuilding-type focus across to, like, the CrossFit style vlogs that became like a real staple of like the YouTube side of things. And then your transition into fatherhood over the last few years. Um, and I guess during that own time, your own individual training has obviously been on, been on a journey itself. Um, and what I wanted to dip into is you've both been very honest about how you perhaps used to focus more on the aesthetic side of training and how that's developed as your careers have probably developed to understanding a bit more about the importance of performance and putting more focus into that to have aesthetics as a byproduct. Uh, I don't know if you could kind of dip into sure. your own training examples and your own training journey and give the listeners kind of a bit of context as to how you cope with the social pressures of perhaps having to look a certain way as well. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a kind of good point to, to make out there. Like when you said uh, the social pressures of trying to look good. Well, you kind of shoot yourself in the foot when you call yourself a lean machine. <laughs> I mean, it, it, was, it was a joke, like a tongue-in-cheek. And then we're like, ah, we're kind of stuck with this now. And I think early days we spent we spent time chasing that and feeling like we, we had to be that. And then we realized that actually, no, no, we don't. Like you don't have to try and live your life that way just because that's what, what your name says. I mean... Early days of training for me, I was your kind of your archetype skinny guy. Um, and I was in a world where everything, you know, I was working at your conventional gym, especially back then, it really wasn't functional fitness spaces in gyms mm. or anything like that. It was like size wins. And it was about how big you are, how much you could lift. Um, and that was a race that I was never going to win. Um, I'm just not built that way. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to pursue other ways of getting to, um, that destination um and it was it was kind of a, a negative space for me actually mm. it was kind of chasing something that was kind of out of reach for the most part knowing that i worked harder than the people around me and ate better than the people around me it just was wasn't i'm not that way inclined as such um and i kind of and it wasn't until i moved out of a gym um and i started doing some calisthenics and some gymnastics stuff that i realized oh this is quite liberating actually that now i'm not held my like my driving force and what i view myself as it isn't how much weight I can lift it's now other stuff it's how flexible I am is can I do this move this skill-based stuff and I found that quite freeing for me that mm. I then wasn't held by those boundaries and then that kind of just moved into CrossFit for me it kind of my friend was doing it we went away on a, on a retreat um, and one of our good friends Zach was there and a few other CrossFitters and we were like oh we can't even bother to train on this we'll just sit we'll sit by the pool and these guys <laughs> rocked up looking the way they do and we were like Ah, oh, sake! I hope we can drink coffee and have a few beers and chill. But that wasn't the case, and we ended up doing like two sessions a day uh, with Zach and that, and just loved it. And then when we came back home, we kind of got involved with that. And it's nice once you've been doing something for a long time, you're always searching for uh, new and fresh ideas and things that are different. And I think that's what's really nice about CrossFit. Now, I'm not one of those people, and neither is Leon, where it's like hey everyone's got to do crossfit yeah. hey we're all happy with one big family there i don't care what you do if you want to do yoga i'm cool with that if you want to walk i'm cool with that if you want to bodybuild whatever floats your boat and makes you happy like i think that's really important uh for me crossfit just has so much variety that there's so many different things that i can do i can lift heavy but i don't feel like that's the only string to my bow and i'm worried about how i look and it, and it, and it is a very performance driven stuff if you want to be a little bit competitive to it mm -hmm. like on on just kind of going into the gym there's obviously that competitive element where people want to do well in their wads and I think that's what pushes people further when everyone's kind of working out together but if you want to take it a little bit more serious and you want to start just doing some comps and stuff it's then where you kind of you can you can get a little bit more in depth with it and there and there's there's so much to uncover and it kind of tries to try to take in every single discipline on the planet to be honest yeah and I know you've, you've also done a bit of BJJ in your back in your background yeah. as well haven't you and that yeah I used to do MMA and jiu-jitsu yeah and that's obviously that 
I think sports like that are also they're they're a great because it's just an honest sport and there's a skill involved and then developing the skill kind of that like with different arms of CrossFit that that kind of fitness and the aesthetic side of things of being fit and able to kind of manage your own body in space they come along with it um, and it's it just shifts that focus and for me I think that's a super help it's a much healthier focus to have than perhaps a number on necessarily a number that you're lifting or a number on the scales and I know when we get into kind of coaching later on um, I think we've got a very similar ethos in terms of focus when it comes to number on the scales but Leon in terms of your training similar journey yourself or yeah it's kind of the the typical thing that you'll get a 30 odd year old man saying is I've gone full circle (laughs) you know I started um as you're not 30 Leon shut up this is episode 30 I'm tying it all together all right this is going to be poetic round it down brother yeah yeah it's great um so I I started basically as an asthmatic teenager that's like where I always talk about it not because you know, asthma is like this huge journey that I had to overcome. Like, no, like crazy explosion. Yeah, there's none. Of, there's none of that crap. It's just the fact that that's where my my passion was ignited, and it wasn't even by myself. It was basically I went from somebody who couldn't run more than twenty meters without having to have a couple of tokes on me inhaler, thinking I was going to explode yeah. internally, um, to a PE teacher who just essentially. Uh, took that little bit more time and discovered that a lot of it was when it was my asthma side of things it was I hadn't had a crazy crazy asthma attack for a few years but the anxiety around Mm. having an asthma attack in terms of the symptomatic behavior when your throat started to close up and that kind of stuff and your breath got short was still there so she kind of taught me how to overcome that in my head a little bit more and increase my performance and basically the dependence on the inhaling became shorter and shorter and shorter uh, fast forward to the, about two years later, I was running cross country for like the South of England trials and it all just kind of, it went literally from being able to do nothing to top of my game at like 14, 15 years old. And I was like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I was like, what else could the body do? And at this point, I didn't even care what it looked like. There was no, no looking in the mirror and going, oh, I want my biceps to be big or anything like that. I did have my old York dumbbells under the sofa, which I got from Argos. Everyone yes. had them. Yes. Everyone had them. And they were there. And I did the odd bicep curl, but that's that's just when girls came on the scene. <laughs> and then it went in, moved into like football and that kind of stuff. Again, it was more about, it was more the team side of things. I will be honest. I found that the hardest sport I've ever been part of, not because I'm a selfish person, but I'm not very good at dealing with other people not, doing their best yeah. when it's part of a team and when you're trying to captain 11 people on a pitch if one person's gone out and got battered the night before and you've turned around and had your little protein shake you've chilled in you've watched a bit of tv rested nice and early so you're ready for the game it gets quite frustrating mm. and then it was boxing um guys boxing that was great for me in terms of like just general discipline and understanding that i wasn't bulletproof it shut me up a little bit which was great super humbling um then the bodybuilding side was my five years of just wanting to be shredded mm-hmm. that's all it, that literally was the only goal i just wanted to be absolutely diced um do you know where that came t-shirts. from sorry do you know where that that want to be kind of absolutely shredded or diced as you say came from was it something it's that being, you wanted to prove for yourself being a male it's, it's being a male having a ton of testosterone wanting to go out Drink loads, get laid, and and discover the world. To be yeah. honest, it's like, yeah, this industry was that way inclined as well. All the yeah, yeah. that way, not they? It's like you can you can you can dress it up as much as you like, but when we think about where we were at that time, mm. at 17, 18 years old, it was in a time where the male side of like beauty and aesthetics was quite a. First of all, like men didn't talk when we talk about mental health, when we talk about physical health and body dysmorphia and all that kind of stuff. It was such a such a big subject that was kind of starting to come up um, in the women's side of fitness. Mm-hmm. But in the male side, we kind of all just followed this treadmill that every every other guy was doing. Nobody was communicating about it or anything like that. We were still quite naive to the word steroids and all, mm-hmm. and, you know, performance enhancing and all that kind of stuff. So we just kind of followed the trend that we thought was the normal way. And had I spoke to half the guys and they were honest about how miserable they were about the way they looked and how much it restricted their life, I probably would have never got into it. 
but it was just kind of the path that we were always the, the righteous path that you walk as a young lad and um it just kind of got to the point where you know also as well when we got to youtube we were following the american audience mm -hmm. and the american youtube guys were diced you know it was be shredded be topless be in your face be very confident and we kind of started to we went under the above <laughs> yeah. we kind of followed it and we ended up falling into the category of oh you're in good shape but you're achievable it was almost like a nice little pat on the back for being yeah. a good dog it was a bit like that um and then yeah once the insecurities of the channel kind of dying if we wore a top and talked about nutrition instead of being topless and doing a tailored on our abs workout kind of died off we suddenly realized that it was something that we enjoyed there was legs to it we were we, we had vision with it but in order for that vision to be you know long term we had to be doing it in a, in a way that actually replicated who we were mm. and we had to enjoy it so we turned around to put, a, put our vests on and t-shirts for a couple of years i think it was we basically had this real point where we're like we're just not going to do a topless for two years and i must admit on every single video you were getting a comment of when are you going to do a topless workout again for a very long time and yes our views have never been the same uh since what they were when we were doing the topless stuff all the time but in terms of our credibility the mm. fact that we're still here 10 years down the line i think that is testament to the fact that we followed what we wanted to represent rather than turn around and just being essentially a piece of meat because that's that's the way that it was it was you turn around you threw yourself out there like a, like an Abercrombie and Fitch model yeah. to start with. You stand outside the store naked trying to get people in yeah, the store. Yeah, freezing cold like in that. London. Like yeah, that. You've, got, you've got to do that. And we totally, totally mm. understood that. But there's a point where once, once the people are in the door, you've got to be able to have a few more layers to offer them. Mm -hmm. And if all you've got is an aesthetic, it's not, they're not going to hang around for too long, especially when they realise all you eat is chicken and rice and you can't hold a conversation. So um, that's when it all kind of started to change, got into... Like gymnastics, I started doing adult gymnastics classes because I wanted to do uh, some tumbling because I thought it looked super cool. Mm. And then, um, yeah, hated CrossFit, absolutely hated CrossFit um, because I was a bro in the gym and every third person was telling me that CrossFit was stupid and it was going to hurt your shoulders. Um, had a really poor experience with CrossFit, so hated it even more for a couple of years. <laughs> and then um, fortunately had a very good experience, as John was alluding to earlier, over in um, Marbella and it kind of just ignited that passion of performance again you know I, I wanted to look like those guys which was never going to happen but they they looked incredible but also as well what they were doing was super cool and I was like this kind of brings in the strength it brings in the performance side of things it brings in the running that I like doing the fitness stuff and it just had a lot of variety mm -hmm. um, and here we are four years down the line talking about now potentially looking at open water swimming and triathlons and that kind of stuff, which is, you know, testament to the CrossFit side of things because it makes you feel a little bit more capable of doing such things because it just opens up doors rather than, oh yeah, I benched 100 last week, I'm going to try and bench 110 this week, right? It, it, it's, it, it, like you say, it opens up, it does open up more doors, like the experience you went on. Um, I, shot, I sent John a message when you were going down towards Limpston for the Marines where, where they work for Battle Cancer of the Week and you were in and out the sea, I think, on day two, was that right? And yeah, it's yeah, opened yeah. up a world of people and a world of opportunity of kind of actually kind of any sport and anything is possible. Let's go kind of dip our toe in the water for want of a better saying and, and give it a go. And that's, I mean, my own kind of training journey has come round to it was very football centric team centric military which is kind of driven to performance to a point but weirdly you're testing how many press-ups and sit-ups you can do when actually you need to know if you can pick up a mate on your back and run with him at the end and their testing I think has changed now but was very linear in a sense it was a mile and a half run press-ups and sit-ups but then you put a 50 kilo bag on your back and you've got to cover you know, eight miles in two and a bit hours, um, very much kind of disjointed with what they wanted you to achieve within your day-to-day yeah. -day job, but the way that they tested you, that led to an injury for me, quite a serious injury, and it took a while to get back in, but without labelling everything as CrossFit, just being able to dip into kind of something that was individual so I could build myself back up. I knew that as my performance developed, aesthetics would would be there as a byproduct, and actually 
for being a driven competitive person it's a great way of testing yourself can I go upside down can I walk on my hands can I just do a handstand press up can I do a box jump can I perhaps go for a run go for a swim go for a cycle and as you said now you're looking at Ironman are you, are you going to go that far? Uh, no, <laughs> box. I'd have to start now on the swim I think for next year's competition help me um, no. armbands no just be I'd probably go for like a triathlon maybe yeah. a sprint triathlon but more than anything it's just try. I, I'm not afraid to try things I'm crap at you know at the moment swimming is something I can swim I, I look great if you just put like a little swimming hat on me in a lane I could bob up and down for a long while but I want to swim properly mm. um, and you know it's one of those challenges where I'm like it's going to suck because I'm crap at swimming I mean if, if you asked me to do it a few years ago I would have probably avoided it because I wouldn't want to look stupid because mm. I'm used to being good at things whereas now I'm just like yeah give it a bash see what happens you know and that's that's where the attitude changes I think as you grow older as well definitely definitely and I think the, the training journey that you've both been on personally, how would you say that's developed you as as coaches? So if, if somebody came to you and said, I'm thinking about working with you guys, the Lean Machines, tell me what your coaching ethos is. What do you stand for as coaches? What kind of message do you want to put out to the world? What would that be? Well, I think John kind of almost nailed it straight away before the question came up, whereas like, I don't care what you do. You know, and the thing is, is, it's, it's easy for us to kind of say it quite bluntly, it's quite a simple thing, and it isn't a simple thing because we've also been the other guys, the stereotypes, because, you know, when I first started personal training, because I was doing bodybuilding-style training, every single client came in and was doing bodybuilding-style training because yeah. that was the way that I got taught. It's very much the same as when you talk about the military process. You know, when you get taught as a personal trainer, your your whole practical assessment and your whole, uh, whole PT course is focused around being on a piece of cardio equipment to get somebody warm, bringing their RPE up, blah, blah, blah. Then you put them on a few, maybe might get a little bit risky and put them on a Smith machine and do a little bit of spot with a bicep curl. And then you're sitting down on a few machines. You know, you keep it very vanilla and very simple because you want to have more time to, to report back and forth on how they're feeling, what muscle groups they're working, basically just tell your assessor how great you are at doing absolutely nothing with a client. That's essentially how you want to pass your test. And they don't really go too much further into sports specificity and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Obviously, there's a lot more qualifications that you can do in strength and conditioning and everything like that. You can go down the rabbit hole of different sports, but you know they don't really teach you to stray too far from the track. And when I first started personal training, you know, I had clients coming in who wanted to lose fat, and I was like, "Cool, you know, I want you to have a base level of strength." And then we would spend so much of our time pissing around with, which was good. They still wanted to be using a barbell and lifting heavy weights and that kind of stuff. And I had these times where I'm looking back, I'm like, why the hell was I getting Margaret to do a bicep curl? (laughs) What the hell did she need a bicep curl for? But you don't learn unless you've made these kind of mistakes. And at the time, time, they weren't mistakes. They were just following what you were used to. Mm -hmm. And as we got older, we started to develop our way more and now 10 years down the line I look at it and I'm like I've made all of these stupid mistakes in the first few years of my career so you don't have to I've tried every style of training I've tried every stupid diet that you can think of whether I've tried it on myself or I've tried it with clients in terms of I used to vilify carbohydrates on my own not with my clients and realized it was a stupid idea you know and then I've turned around and been super anal about protein realize it's a stupid idea in a western world when the whole western world loves carbohydrates and finds out how to get protein in it's like you're banging your head against the wall mm. and like the way that i would kind of describe it now is that if you walk in and you were to want to work with myself and jc first of all i would say because of the way that we put ourselves out on social media you would pretty much know that you wanted to before you even mm. made um make the inquiry which sounds really cocky but that's normally the way people come in they're already there they already know what they're going to get but if you've never heard of us before we're personal trainers sports nutritionists and we're just we're just there because we've done it all <laughs> we are there to support you with whatever I your think, goals are 
I think something that many people don't have is, is, is apart from the experience, is, is empathy as well. It's like Leon and I will be honest with you, uh, and mm. we deal with the cards that are in front with us, in front of us. I'm not going to try and squeeze you through a hole you don't fit in. If you're someone and, I, and you're saying you want to go to the, like one thing I often do with clients, like okay, so these are our goals. Um, let's have an online video call. We have a chat. And like, right, so how many times do you think you want to train a week? Seven times a week. I was like, right, well, let, let's not do that to start with. Let's go for four times a week. And if you can do that consistently, then we'll build up. And my goal, and, and there's a very good reason for this, is to keep it simple. It's because the basics are 89 90% of it. If you do them well, you'll go a long way, and it makes a journey so much easier. The problem that I find is people try and cram themselves in a hole they don't fit in. Mm -hmm. they, let's take uh, New Year's resolutions, for example got all this motivation, which is amazing. They're like, yeah, I'm going to do it this time. So what they do is they go from level zero to 100, to quote Drake, real quick. <laughs> and they soon discover that it's not sustainable for their lifestyle. Because last year, they weren't going to the gym at all. Now they're trying to go six times a week and fit it in and still do everything else that they did before. It doesn't work that way. It has to, has to be done in stepping stones. You have to let a new routine or a new way of living kind of mold itself into your life and whichever way that comes out in the wash for you and then you build on it and you build on it and you build on it because diet is Greek for way of life and that's all it is and the way that we try and set people up when it comes to dieting is the last diet they ever have to do we're yeah. not here to give you a six-week plan and you follow a piece of paper and then in six weeks time you go right well, what the fuck do i do now uh i'll just keep doing this and put myself in a hole we're not about that we'll spend the time with you to answer your questions, explain what we want you to do long term. So when we finish coaching, it's a, uh, hey, guys, thank you so much for your help. I think I've got this now. I think I'm going to crack on. And I spend 60% of my time taking the power out of things that they shouldn't have the power. Mm -hmm. um, and what I mean by that is whether people are worrying about micromanaging macronutrients, whether they're worrying about micromanaging the scales, whether they're worried about a lot of it's self-sabotage. And it's like, I'm like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like 80, uh, I like the 80, 20 rule, yeah. whether it's nutrition, whether it's lifestyle, 80% of the time we, we're bang on. We eat what we know is good food. We, we hit our calories, all that kind of stuff. And 20% of the time we have the stuff that, I'm doing inverted brackets for those that you can't see bunny ears. We eat the stuff that isn't good food. Like it tastes bloody brilliant, but from a nutritional benefit, it's probably not as good for us. But for our mental health, it's really good for us. Because by allowing us to have that, it stops us having those crashes. Because if you tell a 16-year-old they can't go out after 5 p.m., what's the first thing you want to do? They want to go out. So why make your life harder, make stuff, unless there's a, a reason for it because you have... Uh, a sensitivity or even a tolerance to something then you're going to take it out but for the most part i don't want that like i try and take the power out of diets as well like people that eat less carbs for example before whatever reason whether it's pcos that seems to be something i see a lot at the moment um I'm not, you're not on a keto diet or you're not doing intermittent fasting just because you didn't eat at 12 o'clock today. You just had a day where you ate a little less because what you do is if you, same with CrossFit, if you put yourself into, if you put yourself into a pigeonhole of a diet, you're now have to conform to that. So what happens to the day where if you're not doing it for health reasons, where you want to eat a little more carbs or you're caught out, are you then feel like a failure because you're trying to stick to a diet which you don't have to stick to? And the same thing with with not eating meat, Leon and I both eat less meat than we used to for, for ethical reasons and for the choices we have. But I don't feel like I have to be vegetarian. I don't feel like I have to be plant-based uh, to be a better person, if that makes sense, if that's yeah. the reason that I'm doing it for. I just do it because I, I want to make a, a, a better choice. And I do that for me personally. And I do that by making smaller steps. The only probably exception to that rule for me is if you're being a vegan for ethical reasons. Mm. Um, so yeah, a lot, a lot of the stuff that we do is stripping back all the belief patterns of bollocks that we've just had filtered into us for years. Oh, no sugar foods. Oh, carbs are bad for you. Oh, fat's bad for you. How about we just start from scratch? We keep it real simple because it is nutrition. Mm. The actual doing stuff is beyond simple. The hard bit is getting people to do that. And that's because of the patterns that we have in our lifestyles, the beliefs that we have, and it's all the stuff that comes along with that. And that is the real challenge with, with coaching. And I'm sure you see it with your clients as well. You'll have someone that you train for a long time and you'll go, mm, are they going to click? Are they not going to click? Because you cannot drag a horse to water. And you mm -hmm. can do everything that you want with that person. But until they're ready, 
they ain't budging. And you have to understand that as a coach and stop blaming yourself. And I have a client in particular now, obviously I won't mention names, who's absolutely smashing it. And she said to me the other day, I just felt like I finally just took control of things and started thinking, yeah, it takes time because it takes time to, um, like any change in life, there's resistance to start with. And then you start to swim with the current. And when you're changing people's lifestyles and you're changing their routines, maybe how much time they spend with their friends, maybe whether they go to the gym, all these things, mm. they take time to put in. Um, and that's one of the reasons why we put a, we put like a, a, a what would you call it, Leon? Like a calling off per- period pretty much for our coaching. It's, a, it's rolling month by month afterwards. So you can stop whenever you want to start with. We lock people in for three months to start with because it takes time to mm. do that. And if we just have people for a few weeks and they're resistant and they bob off on their own way, then you don't get that person to a position where they start seeing improvements. Like when a lot of people will say, oh, when will I start seeing, and just not our clients, but in general, well, how long till I start noticing my body changing? Well, let's see when, how long you're consistent for. Yeah. Because it all comes down to consistency. And it's and I, another thing that I always use, it's better to be consistently good than it is to be amazing sometimes and the rest of the time poor. Definitely. Like, consistency is everything. Um, we got asked a question the other day about, I know I'm talking a lot now, about motivation. And people are like, how do you stay motivated? And we're like, we're not always motivated. We're mm. rarely motivated. But we always do what we need to get done because that's become part of our routine and that puts you in really good stead. Then when you are motivated, that's when you go for your PBs and, mm. and your stuff like that. And I think a lot of people rely on motivation for being the driving force and it's not consistency is what is the driving force and then you get results so if making things very simple which it is is the way that you make people be consistent to start with then you can get more complicated as time goes on if you like but first let's learn to walk before we run oh i i couldn't agree more and i think both of ironically both of our say your podcast and my last episode on this podcast was motivation and why and why you can't rely on it why mm. when it when it's there it's like the crest of a wave so once you're on the, the, it's using the time, using that motivation to set up, I don't know why I'm using a surfboard as an example because I've never surfed, but set up on the surfboard. So make sure your feet are in the right place, that, you, you know, that you've got your stance right, you're balanced. And then once you're ready and you hit that top of the crest of the wave, you're in that right place. You've set up the routines. Like you said, go for that PB, go for that try a different run or maybe it's time to try something different whatever that might be mm-hmm. as your motivation's high but that backbone that spine is is the routine what gets you up at 6 a.m or keeps you consistent however that looks for you that's worth its weight in gold versus the fleeting motivation that might pop in and out of your life on any given day and yeah, totally. could i couldn't agree with that more and i think that you mentioned self-sabotage as well um, as you were talking through things and how important kind of the 80-20 kind of principle is um, and applying that not just nutritionally but through training, through life as well. I think from a coaching point of view, it's dealing with people kind of self-sabotaging their way through things, whether that's trying to be too perfect, trying to nail everything, or perhaps seeing changes and then perhaps how they've seen their changes, maybe, for example, they've cut carbs completely, for example, and they've seen all these changes, perhaps they were targeting a number on the scales, perhaps it was like six pounds. They've seen that change and then they're like, I can treat myself this weekend. And they go and eat like all of the cookies and then everything else. And then they're like, ah, I've got to start that all over again. That kind of weirdish behavior that does seem to exist in the fitness industry where you make it to a point and then almost celebrate by perhaps including things that you over restricted on and then push yourself back four ways and that that's something that i'd be interested to get your guys opinion on in terms of how you coach people through dealing with those self-sabotage tendencies yeah i think there's a there's a couple of different ways we talk about self-sabotage obviously we talk you know you've touched upon there it's like a simple circular motion and rhythm that people go through they go a little bit too hardcore and then they have to start again that's like the real classic that we see that that pattern of behavior we tend to see that more before they become a client because what we essentially do is just strip it back and say the reason that that's normally happening nine times out of ten is you trying to run before you walk that's that's normally like the simplest way to manage that is getting getting somebody to literally lay their life out and their last failed attempt on the line to us and go okay so what did that look like they might be somebody who's, I don't know, they might be a shift worker 
and their patterns of work and their shifts are all over the bloody place. And then they're also trying to turn around and do an intermittent fasting window and 15 minutes of this hip body blitz workout every single morning, which they're having to do fasting because that's when it says in there, their fasted windows have to be structured when normally, like I say to people, if you want to do a fasted style lifestyle without putting a label on it, make sure that you set up your fasted window for as long as you possibly can while you're asleep. Why? Because it's bloody easy that way because you're going to spend half of the fasting window asleep, you know, and a lot of people don't even think about that kind of stuff. Um, but the biggest one I look at, you know, when I talk about self-sabotage is not not necessarily that that usual rhythm that people have because that's just a consistent that tends to happen before coaching. The ones that I tend to face as a coach are slightly different are the ones where when we talk about that level of resistance in terms of when somebody gets to, they have their six pound goal, they get to that point and it's not a case of celebration. Sometimes it's a case of, well, that doesn't feel anywhere near as good as I thought it was going to And then the next goal comes and then it doesn't feel anywhere near as good as it used to, you know, and that kind of stuff is a, a real hard one to manage. And that's where, why when we first start with people, we turn around and say, yeah, okay, so what are your top three goals? What do you want to work on? And then we have a conversation with them. We're like, okay, so what do you really want to work on? Because mm. that, that surface level, sorry to swear, but that surface level shy is what makes people feel comfortable walking in the door. And that's where our industry is set up to be. I want to lose a little bit of fat and I want to feel good in my bikini. Uh, okay, cool. But you look great in bikini, you know, mate. <laughs> I, look, I look great in a bikini regardless. But it's like our, our first line of question isn't, okay, so you want to lose fat, we're going we're gonna to drop your calories down a little bit, we're going to move. We, we, we say, okay, so you want to lose fat, but why? What's it, going, what's it going to add to your life and where is it going to add? These are the questions that you have to ask in order to stop that. You can see the roadblock coming already. Um, mm. So that's a, that's a really good way of setting it up. And then also as well, I think the biggest one I've dealt with, which was, it was actually early on in my career, and it was one of the biggest breakthroughs I've ever had in terms of um, managing people and their... I don't know, maybe their mood and their energy a little bit more effectively and understanding what's going on in their head. I had a client who had a lot of weight to lose. She was very, very much overweight. And from an external point of view, as soon as she started to lose weight, everything about this case was perfect. You know, people were noticing that she was losing weight. They were commenting on it. I, I was getting constant pats on the back. I was like, oh my God, she's a different force when she comes in. She's lost so much weight. She's so happy. And she was seemingly really happy. And we got to this point where I think we were about six and a half stone down. And um, suddenly the weight just stopped moving. And then suddenly it would move in the wrong direction a little bit. And it would come back down again. And I was like, what the bloody hell is going on? It made, it made no sense to me whatsoever. I was like, you've put all, you've got all the groundwork. You, you know exactly what you need to do. It's just consistency. There are times where it's hard, blah, blah, blah. But this suddenly just seemed to feel a little bit like, in, in my words, I was like, take a piss. So you just turned around and told me you, took, you went and drank a bottle of wine the other night. Why? You know, it just seemed like such mm. weird, random, sporadic behavior. But when I was actually, when I spoke to her after a little while, we suddenly realized that what it was it's her identity as the cuddly one, the one who's always overweight. She always finishes the other people's meals on the plate. Yeah. It's a little bit funny. We joke about it. That's who that person was. And then what happened is she'd suddenly become not like this, the little quiet one sitting in the corner. She's now been brought out into the light and people are trying to comment on her and we're asking her about her training and her nutrition and spending a little bit more time worrying about her existence. And those two completely different identities trying to battle with each other. And she was somewhere in the middle of, well, this is what I'm used to. I'm used to being left alone, nobody really paying any attention to me, me just being a shadow when I walk in the gym. And now I'm walking in and everyone's going, oh my God, look how amazing you look. And what I realized is that this client had done everything she needed to do physically, but mentally she wasn't quite there yet. And one of the biggest things that, you know, when we talk about can't drag a horse to water and all that kind of stuff. Sometimes when you get a client to the, to the water, you've also got to teach them to drink yeah. <laughs> at the yeah. same time, you know, because it's not just getting the client there to the position that they're ready to actually change and they're ready mm. to actually do something. You've also got to manage them through that change and you've also got to turn around and spoon feed them a little bit and teach them what it's actually going to be like on the other side of this change. Because sometimes 
it's, it's, it can sound a little bit negative, but I think it's much better to turn around and say to a client before they start, look, if you just feel, think that you want to lose a stone and that's going to be the end of all your body hang-ups, you're probably wrong. You know, it's definitely going to help and it's going to go in the right direction, but we need to work with what's going on upstairs at the same time. I think it's going to set you up a lot better uh, for long-term change because, you know, again, when we come back to the word of aesthetics, there's a lot of aesthetics focus when it comes to fitness, but people are kind of using aesthetics to get in the door, but it's normally because it adds a lot of other things to their life when they change. Definitely, when you're, definitely. When you're dealing with people as well is that with, with coaching, it's not black and white. There's, people aren't, you don't pump numbers in a calculator and get the results for a person. Everyone has their own. This is why it's so important as a coach to build rapport. And I always say this, the coaching people is 90% talking to them and 90% emotional and 90% all in, or how you can respond to people and in your head and all that kind of stuff. And I actually think the most important question you can ask a client is why. And as personal trainers, we love to answer people's questions for them. And we like to put words in their mouth. Is it happening because of this? Just shut up and just say why and let it stick. If there's an awkward 10 second silence, let it sit. Because most people, myself including the past, never find out why they do stuff because they don't question their stuff because we make all our decisions subconsciously and we never then question why we do them. And they're all mm -hmm. made from belief patterns from when we were younger. So. Even if, like Leon said earlier, they went to the shop and she treated herself or she thought she treated herself for all the, or he did from the tuck shop because they, uh, tuck shop. <laughs> because, they thought, uh, because they thought they did well. Ask them why. Why did you do that? Yeah. And they'll go, and they'll go oh, because I did well. I'm like, why? Think about it. Think on it. If it takes a week, think on it why you did it. And it often comes back, actually, it's something like this. Well, when I was younger... Uh, my mum and dad weren't were always working all the time. They weren't actually around that much. And then when I when I spent time with them, they would always take me out and we'd buy sweets. And there's an emotion linked with that of feeling good, doing something well, feeling warm and fuzzy inside. So that going to the shop, eating shit food, is linked to the feeling that they got from feeling good because you told them they'd done well for losing weight. Mm -hmm. So there's so much more to it than just looking on what you see at face level because there's a person behind it and there's a life behind that. Problem is, with that is, is... You have to be very delicate with it, and it very, very quickly gets out of your remit. Because <laughs> you understand yeah. very early on that everyone has their stuff. We just call it stuff. Everyone has their stuff. I have my stuff, you have your stuff, Leon has his stuff, me and my partner Rose have his stuff, and sometimes they'll say stuff that is so batshit crazy to me that I'll go, well, that's your stuff, so let's just park that. And she's like, yeah, that's your stuff, and I'm like, fine. And it's like, it's like, a, it's like a park free zone. It's like landing on, what is it, free parking, free parking. and making money on Monopoly. It's just left alone because you know it's your stuff you deal with. Don't talk on someone else's mm -hmm. stuff. We talk about it openly and we try and overcome it, but sometimes you react, often you react because of that. And that's one of the very, very important things with coaching, especially when you come across people that are impulsive with their food. Anyone that's normally impulsive is done subconsciously and there's always a reason for it. And it's not normally the reason that they tell you it is or their subconscious tells you them is. Um, and the only way you find that out is by sitting down and exploring it. And that's why it's so powerful to work with someone. And I'm not talking Leon myself, but when it comes to mental health issues, whether mm. you do or you don't, or you just want to do some what we call inner size with someone else, they will pull that out of you by asking the questions why. And then they'll query you. Do you really think that's why? And often you'll smirk because you know it's not. And then you go a little bit deeper. And then it gets a little bit painful because you realise that you're not who you thought you were. And that's when it comes into a position where you need someone with much higher skill set than me to put new things back in place mm. that suit you more for your lifestyle now than what you did when you were in your young teens and, and kids. I tell you, the, the more I ask why as a coach and the more experience I gain as a coach, the more I sit here and think... Yeah, my sports science degree is great, but I want to go back and I want somebody to chuck me some actual learning around human psychology. And I keep every now and again, I'm like, shall I go back to uni? Shall I look into that? Because every single day, when, like you say, when, if, you're, if you're caring and attentive as a coach and you're asking the people that you work with those whys, but you're asking it for a third or fourth time, like you say, more often than not, you're like, Okay, so now we've uncovered something and now I kind of feel like all I can do is give you advice but it's not going to be professional and I need to make sure I'm not crossing any boundaries. Mm. But that's what we need to work on. Now we need to work time, on how... It's just the person realising themselves because they yeah. don't see it once, they, once they're once they aware with it. But 
yeah, like you say, it, it is it is a delicate area, but that really is the crux to most mm. of people's behaviours. Um, but again, like it's probably something that I'll do in the future. I work with someone I have done for a long time, not because of any mental health stuff, just because I had some traits and stuff which didn't suit my lifestyle and didn't make me and Rose as happy. All oh, my Tesco's deliveries just come, <laughs> Sainsbury's, uh, as happy as we could be. So we, I work with someone, and I've learned so much from her that I now cross over into my clients. Mm. I think what I would, what I'd like to do, and it's a very, I'll let John go and sort his Sainsbury's delivery out. Um, I'll ask you first, Leon. It's so I'm, I'm gonna say this podcast has has a superpower of the moment somebody listens to what you're about to say, they will instantly take on all of that education, soak it up, and apply it to their life. So if you could give one change to this industry or one nugget of education to everyone that is you know global let's say obviously this podcast is that big we're going to reach like mozambique everywhere yeah what would you educate people with um i think that's a really good question <laughs> you've not got john to try and help now <laughs> uh, i think to be honest if i could educate it, we're talking just generally not personal trainers and that kind of stuff so yeah so it's uh let's go generally so everyone in the world by yourself has the ability to be your client what one nugget would you say that they would soak up and immediately be able to put into action um consistency consistency wins over everything i know it's not sexy um but unfortunately again in our industry it's driven by being sexy and using equations and sounded really cool and I honestly would say uh, all the results I've had with all of my clients over the years consistency it's the it's doing the small things the non-sexy stuff over and over again to the point where they become a habit and become part of your identity and over a long period of time you suddenly then look back and go oh shit that was pretty cool literally consistency is absolutely everything um, and if I could if I could give the personal training side of it in terms yeah. of the industry um, one nugget of information, I, mine, mine would be based on my experience from what I've seen is just remember what your job is because a lot of personal trainers, you know, I call it, I'm writing a book at the moment and we've been talking about like there's a, there's a key point in personal training called the year three, which is like a separated year. You're either going to do it or you're going to go off and do something else. And I think one of the reasons uh, a lot of PTs get it wrong is because they think it's all about them. They think it's all about their results. It's all about them getting more clients and it's all about them looking good in front of other people. And I would just say, just just focus on one client. If you can focus on that one client and give them 100% of your energy, your enthusiasm, your time and your, your knowledge, that's going to change absolutely every single person that you work with in a positive way mm -hmm. i just think the focus needs to be flipped 180 degrees that'd be my opinion anyway. i yeah i i completely agree with both we're gonna we're gonna test john now let's see if he comes up with the same word so uh i gave leon a basically said this podcast every single person in the world excluding himself is about to listen to this one nugget of information that you're going to give regarding their fitness, their health, their life in general, and they're going to instantly be able to apply it, what would you say to them? They're, they're instantly able to yeah. apply it as well. And is this one word, did you say? Or one well, sentence? kind of one, one nugget, one, one thing you'd get okay. them to focus on. And they're instantly going to be able to apply it. I want to go super simple. It's not going to be the same as Leon's, and I know he's going to know what I'm going to say, but it's going to be eat your veggies. <laughs> it's so simple. Oh it's, so, it's, it's not about being sexy over it. <laughs> it's so simple. Like Honestly, though, but like 90% of the stuff, like nutrition is basic, and most of us don't eat much vegetables, and mm -hmm. they, are, they are king. Like I know that's so vanilla, but like to put some context on that, um, so particularly vegetables and stuff like if you go back to when we were hunter gatherers our whole gut microbiome all the gut bacteria in our gut is a symbiotic relationship it means it's it's and it's not part of us it is part of us but it's a it's a different organism like venom you know in spider-man the soup how it lives on it's a symbiote that's how it works but that that delicate balance has been built over thousands hundreds of thousands of years of us eating different foods for different seasons getting different illnesses and what would happen for example is you, you might get, I don't know, pears one year and you get something 
else another year, but we would eat a lot of the roughage and, and the skins, and they're very mm -hmm. bitter, and they have a lot of things like polyphenols in them. And polyphenol actually kills off good and bad bacteria. But by doing that, and as the seasons change, it kept you with a healthy gut. So, and if you listen to, well, you won't listen to him now because he's long gone, but like Socrates was one of the first people to say, um, all disease starts in the gut. And one thing mm -hmm. is still something that we hardly understand at all, but it's getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And we're understanding more how people that may have more uh, kind of obese tendencies might have a very different um, uh, gut microbiome to us. Um, and how most diseases seem to start from that area, particularly autoimmune diseases, which is what a lot of people suffer with, whether it's type 2 diabetes, yeah. can be rheumatoid arthritis, can be a multitude of things from Crohn's disease onwards. Um, that is still something that we don't understand, but we would understand more of it. And the more and more and more I see on it is about having a lot of veggies in your diet and a good diet. My sister has, has MS and is, and is a woman called Mary Wells, and she seems to be one of the few people that has reversed her MS through her diet. Her diet is bonkers, like it's literally just just veggies and stuff all the time. There's other mm. stuff in there, but it's, it's, it's a full-time job to kind of make that happen. But she looked into all the biochemistry because she's a molecular scientist or what have you, um, to do all the stuff that, that she does to, to get herself working healthy. And it revolves around a lot of variety of, of, of veggies for the most part. And it's just something that we neglect. And again, if you eat more veggies, 90% of your calorie control is going to be done better as well because mm -hmm. there's less calories in them. And if you weigh up the nutrients compared to calories, they're, they're just, they are kick. Like, there's, no, there's no two ways about it. And I should eat more. So I'm sitting yeah. here and I know it. And I know it and we all should. But if I could get everyone to do something and then get them to do it now and they would do it, you'd save billions on the NHS and stuff like that, without doubt. So we've got everyone needs to eat their veggies and then be consistent, whether that's with their training, their nutrition, or their, their general lifestyle. I love it, love it, love it, love it. So I've got a couple of questions that came in and then I am gonna go through my three questions that I always finish the podcast with. Um, I'm interested to see if you're both gonna um, suggest the same piece of kit. So somebody asked, one piece of kit that you can fit into your living room if that's the only space you've got, your garden, just one piece of kit you'd have at home and you'd train with? That you can fit into your living room or your garden. Um, I'd go a set of dumbbells. A set of dumbbells. Yeah, it depends how big your living room is, <laughs> uh, but the first thing that came into my head would be a barbell and a set of dumbbell plates. I thought you were going to say a rope. I thought you were going to be a smart one. my internet's just dropped come on, come on, come on. Oh, come on. oh I'm back my internet dropped sorry world of zoom um so we've got barbell and bumper plates and dumbbells I would I would go with dumbbells as well um somebody else asked if you could have three people over for dinner alive or dead who would that be? And feel free to share some reasons why. Easy. My, my stepdad, my granddad, and I would have my mum. Perfect. And I think, obviously, those reasons, uh, everyone will pick up on them straight away. People that you yeah. love, potentially people that aren't with you anymore as well. Yeah. Leon? Uh, I don't yeah, even know how to follow that. <laughs> I'm going to look like a twat regardless yes. now. Anything oh, you say. Oh, internet. Now, I don't really. Completely honest, um, it's not really something that I really think about that often, to be completely honest. Um, Who do you idolise in sport? Uh, it wouldn't be sport. Sport organisation oh, okay. nowadays is, is, is really gone for me. Um, it sounds really horrible, but that whole, again, this is from, I think, being, Would it be me? being very, Honest. don't get me wrong, being very fortunate. You know, we've met and had a lot of opportunities to be around that world of celebrity and that kind of stuff, where that whole shine of, like, peeing my pants to meet somebody is completely gone. Um, it was something that I remember, you know, back in the day, we went to the Expendables premiere and we met Jean-Claude Van Damme and he did like a little cut, cut for our video and it was literally like the best thing in the world and I couldn't have found enough and I was losing my mind forever about it and it's like 
out and I think you do things like that and you suddenly realise that oh actually these people are just humans mm. and, and they just can't have the cameras um, and then like back then it would have been like David Beckham uh, it would have been like The Rock uh, <laughs> people like that whereas like now I think you know it would be a lot more recent like things I've been reading a lot of books recently and I would absolutely love to pick Ryan Holiday's brain because he's wrote a couple of books that have been really powerful for me and I think you know a guy I'm sure but he's got some great insight um, he must be on that if I'm completely honest probably no. just my wife and little one <laughs> I think I think that's that's some that's a great answer to be fair and I think that's it's a it's they're both very real answers um, and like for example oh, I would I would straight I'll away have mine now I should have definitely picked my granddad, my stepdad, and Bobby. There you go. Obviously. Leon, obviously. see? Obviously. There you go, Leon. You caught him out. You caught him out. There you go. So what is uh, what is next for the Lean Machines? I know you've recently branched into the world of caffeinated beverages, which is super yeah. exciting. Uh, it's very difficult to plan obviously. travel and things like that. But what is what is next? What's on the horizon for you guys? So if you were to look on our Instagram uh, today, well, if it's today, we never know. It might be going out tomorrow. But if you look on our Instagram at the moment, um, we're at a point where um, I literally rang up John. This is how it works. Like, if I've got an idea, I ring up John. I'm like, John, I want to do this. How do I do it? He's like the editing guy. Um, but then I also want the other... Oh, come on. I ring up John, and I'm like, John, this is going on in my head right now. What do you think? And... To be honest, we've been thinking it for a while. Um, obviously, with Opus Coffee, it's amazing. It's a, it's a real passion project for us. We love coffee and all the rest of it. It's great, and it's something that we want to help build out. But as a brand, the Lean Machines, you know, we've, we've got to where we've got to over the last 10 to 12 years by being who we And I think in order for us to continue over the next 10 to 12 years, we have to be, and it's not, just pure Q&A bars that have gone out because that's just one of the most important things to be you know in the forefront and doing the stuff that you should be doing is you have to ask your bloody audience what they want and what they follow you for and already some of the answers that are coming back I'm like so why the bloody hell was I worrying about vlogging what I ate for breakfast nobody cares why the hell was I putting my muscle ups and snatches the other day nobody cares you know mm. and it's it's starting to narrow the focus I care Leon yeah but do you know what I mean it's like we on social media it has so many different levels of your personal life your career your your business specifically on mm. social media because you know it is a business angle as well as it is an educational angle and it is doing your personal stuff um, and just at a point where we kind of need to change it a little bit to focus more on the stuff that we want to do um, and I would like to say that uh, if you were to sit here in a year's time with us and it would be your episode 330, um, we would be predominantly focused on being in front of more people, whether it be seminars, whether it be webinars, mm. and focusing more on our education um, on the ground, uh, opposed to doing a swipe right, front squat dumbbells. <laughs> it's, 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 all, it's all developing, isn't it? And I think... Um, I'd, I'd imagine becoming fathers has potentially had maybe an influence in 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 direction that you want to take the business. I think it's had it's had an influence on every facet of my life, <laughs> which obviously was going to happen. It's all been extremely positive, um, and it's doing me sobering in some ways. Don't get me wrong, you know the fact that me and John are fathers and we get to have as much time as we have with our little ones because of our job and the way it's set up at the moment is unbelievable um and that's always something that we've said we want to maintain you know family and friendships come first before business hence why we'll never be millionaires you know we could have made a lot more money doing what we do over the last 10 years but it has to it sacrifices other areas and we know that um and it definitely has from becoming a father you know the influence has changed slightly moving forward because it's the case of yeah i want to do more and more and more but I also don't want to do so much that it means that I'm away for six weeks at a time or I'm not at home to do bath time whatever it may well be um so yeah it's definitely an interesting time becoming a parent 
<laughs> well, I'm, I'm yet to do that, but I imagine it, it's, it's definitely nothing short of life-changing in yeah, many positive real. ways, many, many positive ways. Best Final, final couple of questions. So we've covered the education piece. Um, I focus kind of Willis Fitness on three pillars, education, enjoyment and empowerment. Education from yourself, Leon, was be consistent, consistency over everything. John, you mentioned, obviously, eat your veggies, get your veggies, kids, find your fruit bowl, get all of that colour into, into your life. In terms of throwing it back to you guys as enjoyment, so a little bit more about both as individuals what do you guys like to do for enjoyment away from social media away from away from the fitness industry i like to i i watch my daughter a lot as much as i can and i try and remind myself to do that one thing but rose is particularly good at so she helps me a lot with this but like really enjoying everything like you'll you'll you would you wouldn't have you didn't hear me say i can't wait till bobby walks i can't wait till bobby talks because i can wait i can absolutely wait because i'm having the best time ever um and at the moment that's what i that's for the most part that's what i fill my time with i might have a little go on call of duty in the evenings but i spend that i'm not ashamed to say that that's pretty much what my life encompasses right now and i'm really bloody happy with that like i do i do my work stuff and then i get to spend time with there and i i wouldn't really want to spend it with, with anyone else so it's uh, quite easy for me um, I, I'm normally at home with a little one that's why actually lockdown was so great for Leon and myself I mean obviously it wasn't the best circumstances and there was times we wanted a bit of freedom but my daughter learned to walk during lockdown and like I wouldn't have got that otherwise yeah. I just got some free time with her which was, was pretty mega that's yeah, yeah that's that's epic Leon for me it's um, very similar in terms of it's lockdowns kind of highlighted it massively is the especially with the little one man she's growing fast you know i i find it in a word terrifying that she's going to be two in a few months time you know and i still remember her not being born and me absolutely crapping myself of what the hell am i going to do um so lockdown's been great in terms of we've explored so much more of Norfolk, it sounds really stupid, we live in Norfolk and some of the most beautiful, I love a walk, right? I love a walk and a coffee and if I can, if I can encompass that as a walk and a coffee and the destination involves cake, like that's, that's all that's good stuff, <laughs> like that is, that's everything and one of the things we've done as a family is, sounds really, god it's so vanilla, a bit of consistency, eat your veg and go for a nice walk. <laughs> I love it, I love it. Is, it. It's, one of the things you realise is, it's all about the simple stuff. You know, I'm loving watching my little one grow and I'm loving, I love going for just a walk wherever it, wherever it may well be. Just, I like being outside and it prompted a huge decision that we made as a family a few months ago. We've just bought um, a Mercedes Sprinter van that's being converted as we speak into a camper van, which we just turned around and said, We've just got to do it. You know, we had this idea that one day we wanted to live abroad and live by the sea and everything like that. And realistically, I think it's just something that isn't, you're still going to feel trapped by the, the mm. specific place, by being there anyway. You're just going to be somewhere. And one of the things that we realised through travelling as a family in New Zealand through a camper van at the end of the year and going through lockdown is that you don't have to go to the other, other bloody side of the world to have an incredible experience as a family. And we can still give Jax, my daughter, an outside lifestyle and some really cool experiences before she's tied down by school for 12 bloody years over the next two and a half mm. years by just actually doing. And, you know, we've been stuck. We've already been talking about some of the bigger trips. But one of the first trips that we've decided that we're going to do is we're literally just going to go to the coast, which is 20 meters down, 20, 20 miles down the road from us. And we're going to sleep in the car park and just play on the beach until the sun goes mm. down. End of October, it'll be bastard cold <laughs> but it's things like that it's like, i love really simple stuff and if it is in my family it's going out and i love as i was saying i love listening to audiobooks at the moment they just energize me massively um and yeah I've, I've listened to probably eight or nine books this year and if you were to try and ask me to read one of them it would never happen so get a book in my ear and, and have a coffee that is like boom love, love it, it. Love it. I think Audible for seven ninety nine is it? Without oh, obviously, there's is is just. I've got so many credits as well because I had it for about a year and a half. And yeah. Listen to a damn books. I've got like I've got like every award going. It they give you awards after you listen to a certain amount of hours and stuff like that. Oh, wow. I love Audible. I think I think it's 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 brilliant. I think that 
obviously family time walks like you're singing well singing from the same hymn sheet i've not got children but my i had a couple of days off and i was like right where can i take my husky where can i take my dog i want to take my dog places and then so long as that place has caffeine i'm happy and i just disappear loops around woods caffeine breaks in between he's happy and i'm like it's just quiet and peaceful and lovely i think we'll finish with empowerment so i've got a bit of a mantra which is if you can control it you've got the power to change it you've got the power to change it you can always improve it Mm. if you could say one line one thing that comes straight to your head three two one go i'll go john first because you look ready and this is for for empowerment yeah just empowerment a bit of like a life kind of not mantra is a bit of a strong word but a bit of a, a bit of something that you if you saw that on there was motivational quotes littered across Instagram. Mm. That one would be your go-to straight up. Oh, I have my favourite quote, which is it's just probably not what you're expecting, but it's we don't stop playing because we grow old. We grow old because we stop playing. And I think in our life it's so damn easy to to get hit up with work and get hit up with the next thing that like just look how I know this is trying not to get too philosophical with this, but how fast the little ones grow and stuff like that. Like. It feels like only yesterday I was 20. I'm not. I'm 32 now. Leon has to remind me how old I am. <laughs> but this is what I mean. It, 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 like, I don't want to get you like, oh, life goes so fast. But just, yeah, just don't, don't, don't kind of get too swept away and too serious of everything. Like, things normally always work out, or they always work out. There'd be times when you've got more money, times when you've got less money. But fortunately for us, actually, happiness isn't dictated by how much money we have. I love that. I love that. Leon? Uh, mine's actually it's quite a recent one actually coming and I would say the reason I would I would say it's the most powerful is because it's had quite a profound effect on me and I actually have it written on my bloody whiteboard um, and it doesn't move and it's something that I think crosses you can answer this you can answer so many different questions on different elements of whether it be your training nutrition or just general life by three simple words which I have which is don't fail twice it's such a simple thing and it came to me via an audio book I was listening to earlier this year and I was like it's it's such a nice accountability and a reminder factor to have in life something as simple as oh I don't feel like training today okay fuck it don't train but you, you're going to train tomorrow because you don't do it twice in a row I don't want to turn around I'm going to turn around and cancel my social um, plans I've got because I don't feel like it's not I'm just being lazy and I want to go and have a hot chocolate. Don't do it again because you have to value the people around you. You know, simple things like that. It's just something that I've implemented myself this year and I think it crosses every mode and part of life and it because it's such a simple thing and I just think it works. It's wow. working for me at the moment. So I love it. I love them both. I love them both. And what a way to to round up the podcast. Um obviously everyone listening to this is gonna wanna go and see a bit more about your socials, maybe even reach out. Where is the best place to send them to? Um, main two places, I would say, are Instagram, uh, The Lean Machines, official on there, and obviously YouTube, The Lean Machines. Uh, but if people wanted to speak to us personally, and it would be in relation to coaching and that kind of stuff, it would be email tlmonlinecoaching at gmail.com. Epic. Epic. Any questions for me? All good? All good. Awesome. So um, all that's left for me to say is thank you very much for giving me your time this morning, chaps. It was an absolute pleasure to record this podcast with you. Uh, so much, buddy. Cheers, guys. Thank you.